going to read, I get to preach about love today. And I am going to do my best to hold myself together <laughs> this morning. Uh, my kids will be like, why do you cry all the time? I don't know. I don't know. I like tried not drinking any water for the last few days. So I'd be dehydrated and no tears would come out, but they may still probably <laughs> come out. So uh, we're just gonna, I'm going to read John 3.16 here. For God so loved the world. thought I'd get through this at least, Uh, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God, I thank you for this short verse that is so powerful. God, that without the manger, there wouldn't be a cross. And so we thank you for your love. I pray peace, I pray calmness, and I pray, God, that your words will be what comes out, and anything that's in me will just drop off, Lord God, but that you will speak to the hearts of each one of us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Whenever I sniffle, it's so loud. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I, I feel like this is a word that is so overused. I'll say, I love my husband, and I love chocolate, or I love you, Jesus, and then we'll be like, ooh, I love that outfit, right? Like, we just overuse this word so much, and I'm so guilty of it. So this week, on Saturday, there was like an argument in our car on the way down, because I was like, Christmas is this week. Malcolm's like, no, Jude's like, it's six days, and they're all like arguing, and I'm like, yeah, it is, and they're like, whoa, this went really fast, and it, it does. It feels like it was really slow, but really fast all at the same time. I feel like that's been the whole year. But it is. It's this Saturday, so if you're not done your stuff, good luck. It's like a gong show out there at the malls. So I know this has been a really hard season for a lot of people between sickness, job loss, um, family loss, financial issues, loneliness, like depression's at an all-time high heartache, financial uncertainty, broken relationships, maybe big moves, like maybe you've moved here from somewhere, and that's a a big undertaking. And I think for a lot of us, there's a lot of stuff where we don't know how things are going to work out still. They started thinking about that intertestamental period. There's like a few words, just to warn you. I practice saying one word like eight times and I still couldn't say it. I don't know, I can't get it out, but that's coming up in a verse, so there we go. So the intertestamental period is that time from the end of the book of Malachi until the words of Matthew are written. So it's about 400 years, and it's darkness, and it's silence during this time. The people of Israel would have heard. The stories were passed down. They would have heard how... God provided for them in the wilderness, how he got them out of Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea, how he brought them into victory. They would have heard all these stories. It would have been things that they they heard and passed down, but it wasn't firsthand. And so they're holding on to this hope that something is going to change, that his words are true, that all those prophecies from Genesis, Numbers, 2 Samuel, Isaiah, Hosea, Daniel, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Zechariah, And the list goes on that those are true. That the God who said that is the God that's going to do it. And they're in this waiting 
and this uncertainty, and they don't know how long it's going to last. But they knew that one day something was going to come and something was going to change all that. Now, we know that they all had different ideas of what that would look like, and that's why a lot of people missed it, because it's not what they expected. How many times do we miss an answer to prayer because it's not what we expected? So they didn't have first-hand accounts. Then one night, love comes down in the form of a, of a baby. And it forever changes the course of history. It didn't just change that moment. It didn't just change the shepherds that were in the field or the magi later on. It changed everything forever. In Luke 2, 9 to 11, I don't know if there's slides. There are. I'll point it out now. It says, find a baby swapped in swaddling clothes. That's just raft. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but... So an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. I don't know how many people, I know there's definitely some, they watched the Chosen episode that came out last Sunday, and we, my kids were like, there's an hour of singing. It's so good. To warn you, though, there is an hour of singing before the episode starts. It's very good. Uh, uh, but they kept talking about the significance, about, like Mary says, he was swaddled. And he was swaddled in these swaddling clothes and I was like why like is there so much of an emphasis on this and so I started looking into it so when the angels showed up in the field it, they showed up to Levitical shepherds and the angels told them they'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes these shepherds were raising sheep that would be sacrifices for Passover um Every firstborn male lamb was considered holy and was set aside for sacrifice in Jerusalem. The newborn lambs would be wrapped tightly, swaddled, in specifically designated temple clothes, and they would be laid in a manger to keep them contained while they were being examined for blemishes. In Micah 4.8, it says, And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Jump down a couple verses. Micah 5, 2 says, but for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And so it's prophesied hundreds of years earlier that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Middel Eder is also known as the Tower of the Flock. It is where Rachel is buried. But this is where the lambs are set aside for temple sacrifices. They were raised, they were wrapped in swaddling clothes, and they were used for one particular reason and in one particular location. Midgal Eder 
the place where the sacrificial lambs were wrapped and examined for perfection before being set apart for the slaughter that would atone for the sins and make peace with God. So when these shepherds are told that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's laying in a manger, it was a huge significance to them. Because that's what they raised. They raised the lambs that would be taken and, and offered as sacrifices. From the very moment of Jesus' existence as man, he was pointing to what he was going to do. The minute he was brought into the world. We have the manger in front of the cross because that's the purpose. Without the manger, we wouldn't have the cross. It's not just about this baby, it's about what this baby did for us. This is where I struggle with the word, so bear with me. First John 4.10 Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation? That's probably the closest I've gotten. So. And I have to say it again later, so we all know what I'm saying. He's the atonement for our sins. And then Romans 5.8, But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm sure most of you here have been Christians for a number of years, and so I'm not telling you something you don't know. But I feel like it's something that we should always be remembering. And that it should always be in the forefront of our mind that while we were still sinners, Jesus came. Before the foundation of the earth, God saw you and he knows you and he died for you. That Jesus is perfect love. That is what love is, is Jesus. And we can't earn it. We definitely don't deserve it. But we can just receive it. And then walk in that and let that change us and become who we are. He's called you his own, his child. He came into a dark world. He brought light and hope and love and salvation. I love the song that, that love. <laughs> I really like the song that Warren sang today. That who else would give their son for you, for me? And the manger, it's not complete without the cross. When Jesus was arrested, so we're jumping ahead about 30-some years here, 33 years. Um, actually, when I was... <laughs> This week has been very challenging. And I started writing my sermon on Monday, and then we found out that we have some friends that are going through some hard stuff. And I was like, really, God? Like, I'm supposed to write a sermon. <laughs> He's like, yeah, what is it on? Who <laughs> love? He's like, exactly. So this week was like, okay, we're in the thick of this right now. And I just felt stuck, and God's like, you need to look at Peter. Peter, he's not part of the manger. 
But Peter, sure, you know, is one of the disciples. And he, oh, Peter makes me feel like, okay, I can, Jesus loves me. Like, Peter is such an encouragement to me because Jesus used Peter multiple times, but Peter had his imperfections as well, right? And so Jesus has been arrested. Peter just tried to cut off the guard's ear or someone's ear, and... um, And Jesus, yeah, he's being arrested, and Peter is following behind. And and people are like, hey, like, you know, you're one of those men that follow follow Jesus. He's like, no, nope, I'm not. And this happens three times, where Jesus, Peter denies Jesus. And the third time, the rooster crows. In Luke 22, 61 to 62, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So this moment where where Peter has denied him the third time and Jesus and Peter lock eyes. And Peter's reminded of what Jesus said was going to happen cannot imagine the pain that Peter must have had in that moment. So Jesus is killed, and he's buried, and a few days later, the women are going to go and prepare Jesus' body. So they go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty, and this man is sitting there saying, he's not here. Like, he told you this had to happen. And the women run back to the disciples, and in Luke 22, 11 to 12, the disciples, it says they didn't really believe them. But these words seemed to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter ran to the tomb. Peter needed what the women were saying to be true. Because his last interaction with Jesus was denying him. There's this this hope and this need and this desire for it has to be true. It has to be true, and there's this hunger in him. He needed the hope, and he had the hope when the others didn't. And so we know that Peter and Jesus have an interaction during that time, but we don't know like what's been said. But then... Uh, In John 21, sorry, oh, my nose is running and I don't know. I don't think there's Kleenex. Okay. I'm about to do what I tell my kids not to do. Sorry. <laughs> so in John 21, Peter and some of the other disciples are now out fishing. So Jesus came from, and then he's gone now. And so they're out fishing because that's what they knew how to do. They also probably needed food. They didn't know what they should be doing now. So they went back to what they knew, what they had always done. And how often, as I started thinking about this morning, how often do we have an encounter with Jesus? Because Peter had an encounter, right? They were, they, but then they just went back to what they'd been doing. And I thought about it myself, like how often do I have this encounter with Jesus where I, I know that God has talked to me about something, but then I just return 
to what I did before, and it's not that they were doing something wrong by fishing, because they weren't, but they didn't know what else to do in that moment. But so, like th this man that they followed for three years is now gone. He died. They saw him. Like, I can't imagine how conflicted they were. Like, oh, well, what do we do now? <laughs> and so they go fishing. And they fish all night, and they don't catch, they don't catch anything. I don't know how successful a fisherman they were, because this seems to be a theme in their lives. But this... This man then from the shore yells, throw the net on the other side. And so they throw it on the other side, and all of a sudden they're overwhelmed with all these fish. And John looks to Peter and says, it's Jesus. And Peter puts his coat on and jumps into the water. Now I'm sure as we say that we all know there's a parallel story that happens, and that's when they're called as the disciples. And again, they were out fishing hadn't caught anything, and then Jesus tells them, throw the nets on the other side, and they get all these fish, and that's when Jesus calls them to be disciples and to be fishers of men. In, in Luke 5, 10, it says that Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now you will be catching men. So here we see Peter swimming through the water to get to Jesus again. In John 21, 15 to 19, it's the only one that has this interaction, and I appreciate that John put this in. But so they're sitting around, and Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then take care of my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says that, that Peter's now hurt that Jesus has asked him three times. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. I feel like Jesus asked Peter three times because, not that Jesus needed to know, but I think Peter needed to know. He denied Jesus three times, and Jesus asked him three times. I feel like there's a, a restoring that's happening, and, and this is happening in front of others. That Jesus is, he sees us, he knows when we mess up, he knows how we've messed up. But Jesus is all about redeeming. He is all about restoring. He's all about putting us in right with God. And I feel like this is what happens here, and it's happening in front of others. And so then they're sent out. Then we go to the book of Acts. And so they were told to wait. So they're all in this upper room, and they're waiting. And the Holy Spirit comes, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes and radically changes them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter then is the first to raise his voice and to preach at Pentecost. He becomes an advocate for the apostles in court. He led the apostles in sharing the gospel with everyone. He's the one that shares the gospel with Cornelius, and so the Gentiles. He's full of boldness. He's thrown in jail. He's miraculously escapes jail. 
He continues to share the gospel of Jesus everywhere he went. Peter is eventually crucified upside down on a cross because he does not feel worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. He went from someone who denied Jesus to somebody who died because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He knows Jesus knew we couldn't do it on our own. He knew the disciples couldn't do it on his own, their own. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go out in fear that we're alone. They didn't know what to do after Jesus died, so they went fishing. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they go out. And they start telling people because they know they have the good news, and they need to share the good news and the love that Jesus has. Love requires action. Jesus loved us so much that he died. God loved us so much he gave his son. And Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And go. Go and show that love to others. Go and tell others about me. Go tell them about the hope. Go feed them. So the first thing we have to do is just receive it. We can't earn it. And Jesus restores us. Maybe you've struggled in your faith. Maybe you walked away. Maybe even just all of COVID stuff has caused you to be like, oh, what do I do? But Jesus is all about restoring. So we just have to receive the love of the Father and recognize that it's it's all him. That the spotless lamb took on the sins of all men. In 1 John 4, 9 to 12, it says, In this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be the pro. pro- atonement for our sins. Behold, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. So if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So we need to receive it, but we need to model it. We're called to love others, but what does that look like? I, our world... I don't think anybody would be like, oh, we're so full of love right now. I like that's the very opposite of what we're seeing. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of age. So we're surrounded by heartbreaking stories and experiences, world events, obviously COVID, the tornadoes. They're like still looking for people. Floods, there's wars sickness. We see families breaking apart. We see churches splitting. The social media and news is just the most depressing thing to look at. 
And there's so much division in our world. And it's so against the heart of God. We are to be love in this world. How is the church supposed to be seen and known? In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Am I known for my love? It's not an easy question or a comfortable question. This is where I will cry. <laughs> and I encourage you to search your hearts. Are you known for your love? And you are a, a wonderful group of people, and I feel honored to be a part of this. So please don't take this as like a condemning thing. That's not what this is. If you got Jeremy's email, you would have heard about the Nickel family, and they have been going through what I would probably say they would agree is the worst week of their life. <clears throat> Sorry. And we've been praying for miracles in their lives, and we're seeing it, and we're believing that we're going to continue to see that. But I've witnessed love firsthand this week. My friend uh, beautifully put it as, it's a heavy love with sticky edges. It's doing good work in us, but it hurts, and it is hard. And it is when we truly decide to love others the way God commands us to love. His love was death. Now raising from the dead so that we can live with him. But it was painful. Jesus even said, if there's some way that it doesn't have to be done this way, please. Please. But I'll do it anyway. And so love is hard. You bring me Kleenex? Thanks. Love. <laughs> and he doesn't want to hear me keep sniffling. It's hard. It's hard to truly love the way God has commanded us to love because it's costly. You know, anybody that's an intercessor knows that it's heavy. It's heavy to truly love people. Truly loving others as Christ loved us is hard. It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It isn't boastful. It is not proud. It isn't rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil. Rather, Love rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It 
always perseveres. 1 Corinthians 13. That's how I want to be known. And I know you, and I know that's how you want to be known. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So as I close here, maybe you're like the shepherds, and maybe you are hearing this for the first time. Then, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he came as a babe and he died on the cross for you. And even if you had been the only one, he would have still done it. Don't miss that. Receive it. Maybe you're like Peter and you feel like you've just denied Jesus, that you know the truth, but you're just struggling and it's just easier just to to deny it. And, And Jesus is saying, it's okay, I forgive you. Just come. Just come. Let me love you. Let me restore you. And then I'll send you, but I'm going to go with you. And that's the last. Maybe you're just like, God, how do I do this right now? And the Holy Spirit is with us, and it comes on us, and it gives us power. It is. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't need to feel alone. But God is with us. Let's receive the love of God and walk in it and share it. Not just during the Christmas season where that's, it is nice that it's definitely more encouraged during this time. But we're supposed to be known by our love. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what, yeah, exactly. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And to honor one another above yourselves. Ourselves. Myself. Romans 12, 9. God, I thank you that you did what no other false god has done, that you, you came down as man, fully God, but fully man, and you died as the perfect spotless lamb in atonement for our sins. And we thank you for that, God, that we don't have to strive to earn it, but we can just sit and receive it. God, and I pray that we would be people that are known for our love. Jesus, that we would be a church known for our love. That we would model you in this world, in our frustration, in the darkness. Lord God, may we be the light. God, I thank you that you did it all and that you empower us to walk this life with you that you've not left us just to figure it out once we've received you. And Jesus, again, we just pray for the Nickel family. We believe that you have said that by your stripes we are healed, and we just speak that over their family right now. 
bring divine healing and restoration into their bodies, to their family, Jesus. In your name we pray.